And th- that's where a lot of our miscommunication starts. <laughs> now, is it wrong to debate your mate? Is it wrong? Well, let me read what a wonderful man said, a marriage counselor named Dr. Neil Clark Warren. And, and here's what he said. Now, I want you just to hang with me. We'll explain this. He said, I know a couple who argue like cats and dogs, but they are wildly in love. And I think they have one of the healthiest marriages I know. Now, does, does that shock us? Shocked me the first time I read it. I was like, <laughs> we're healthy, <laughs> right? If it shocks you, get ready for more surprises. He said, my 30 years as a psychologist have slowly taught me a difficult fact to believe. The amount of conflict in a marriage determines the speed at which the marriage is moving forward to greatness or back toward disintegration. If you want to sit still in your marriage, rule out all conflict. But if you want your marriage to crash and burn, let the conflict rage and don't learn the skills necessary to manage it. But well-managed conflict is a stairway that can lead you to higher and higher levels of marital greatness. Look at your honey. Look at your honey and say, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Now, this statement is from a man whose material is quoted time and time again in Focus on the Family. And as I analyze this, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you have conflict, the great issue is not whether or not you have conflict. The issue is, are you handling it wisely? Are you handling it correctly? Because in a healthy marriage, you will have conflict, but you will handle it the right way, and you will grow from it. You will grow from it. Does anyone have a marriage in here that has never had any conflict at all? All right, I'm in the right place. Now, James, he says three things about this passage in Scripture. These three things are absolutely fundamental. He said, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to be angry. Now, let's look at these. Because today, we're sitting here with husbands and wives. We're sitting here with widows. We're sitting here with those who are going through or have gone through a very heartbreaking time of divorce. We're sitting with those who are anticipating marriage. We're sitting with those who are engaged. And so I I think that this will speak to every one of us in this place this morning. First of all, he says in this passage, he said we are to be quick to listen. When we listen to our spouse, we are well on the road to good communication. Now, as a matter of fact, Jenny and I, we begin to talk about this series And we begin to talk about communication. And I told her, anything that you say or do in the next few weeks can be used as a sermon illustration. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And here's what she said. She said, well, you need to listen more. Put that in your sermon. (laughs) And ironically, that's what James is telling me too. James says, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. When we listen, we are encouraging the other person talking to talk. How many know it's a lot easier to talk when we know someone's listening to us? Proverbs says this, let the wise listen and add to their understanding. Sometimes when uh, when I think that I don't understand Jenny, I can evaluate my listening skills. And I can most of the time conclude, I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening. Now, if you don't listen or you refuse to listen, this is going to be a great barrier in your marriage. It's going to be a great barrier. Why do we refuse to listen? Well, it's a little three-letter word, and it's called ego. Ego. 
We refuse to listen a lot of times because of our ego. Our ego keeps us from listening. A lot of times we get defensive. Our ego shows up and we're defensive. We don't want to hear what the other person has to say, so we tune them out. Or maybe it was just an assumption. We, we think we've been married to them a long time. We know what they're going to say, right? Like the Johnny and Chachi film, right? Because it's in when they're talking that you, you can develop the killer comeback, right? right? And so don't listen, but be thinking about what you want to say. Oh, I'm speaking good now. And so maybe that, that, that assumption, and while they're speaking, we're preparing a response. Don't you love it when you're in the middle of a sentence and someone tries to finish your sentence for you? Isn't that just a blessing? I can't stand it. <laughs> and if, even if they get it right, I will make up something just to make them wrong. Right? Guess what that's called? Ego. <laughs> right? And so let, let, let me... Just share some things that we've learned. And some of these painfully. Number one, when we're talking about this, concentrate or concentration. Concentration. Can I be honest? Very hard for Jared to do. Concentration. Um, listen with your eyes. I'm gonna sh- sh- I hope this helps. Listen with your eyes. Look at the person who's speaking. And if you look with your eyes, number one, they're going to believe that you are listening. And number two, you're going to learn something about them if you listen, not only with your ears, but with your eyes. Because you watch their body language. Watch their facial expressions. Look into their eyes. Is there anger? Is there joy? Is there confusion? Is there tears? Is there excitement? People communicate with more than words. When we give our full attention like that, when we concentrate... The person we're communicating with feels like we are interested in them. Let your face tell them, tell me more. Come on, somebody. Let your face tell them, tell me more. It's like that old song we used to sing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Right? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. All right. We need to change that up because some people, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Right? Because how many you know people, they're... You're like, hey, glad to see you today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Gonna be a good day. Right? And this is when I just want to sing, hey, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's close in prayer. The armed guards, please escort me out. But people communicate with more than words. Let your face tell them, I want to know more. Don't pretend to listen. One man was telling his doctor, he said, I'm concerned about my wife. She goes around the house and she just talks to herself all the time. The doctor says, well, does she even know she's doing this? She goes, no, she thinks I'm listening to her. (laughs) You know? I know a lot of times we tune in, we tune out. We come back to listen. We hear a little bit what they're saying, then we tune back out. Listen with your eyes. Listen with your ears. Listen with your brain. Listen with your heart. Concentrate on the person you're focusing on. Concentrate on that conversation. Make them feel like I have 100% of their attention right now. You know what? And this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Okay? I'm going to open up my heart and share. Right? What's crazy is these little things, I left mine in my office, these little things we call a phone, okay? How many of you would dare sit at a table 
and have, try to have a conversation. You're sitting across from your spouse. You're supposed to be there on a date. You're supposed to be there, you know, the focus is on her or the focus is on him. And you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're supposed to be having conversation. And, but how many of you on a date would say, hey, let's just bring four of my buddies up. Come on, hang out here with us. We're on a date. We'd love to have you. We wouldn't do that, would we, if we want a good marriage? We wouldn't do that. But when we take out that phone and we're supposed to have this focused, concentrated time. Oh, come on, somebody. Yes. And we're, we're texting, and we're Facebooking, and we're doing all this stuff with other people. I speak because I know, because I did, because I am, because I stink, right? I understand. And, and so when, when you have this time, concentrate. Put the phone, whoa, come, that's a sermon right there. Yes. 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 Woo, Glory. We read that most marriages would be so better off if, listen to this, if your spouse was given just 15 minutes a day of concentrated conversation. 15 minutes, that's it. If you had 15, I I, I would like to ask, but I'm not going to, but I just want you to think about it inwardly. How many of us actually have 15 minutes of concentrated conversation with our spouse each day. Because the studies I read said 88% of over 1,000 marriages that Jimmy Evans polled said they did not have 15 minutes of concentrated conversation a day. 88% of 1,000 marriages. Right? That's, that's alarming. Now, not only concentration, but consideration. And we're going to move through this quicker. A part of good listening is not only to hear, but to consider what's being said. Not just concentrate, but consider. Consider what the other person's saying, to think about it, to turn it over. What are they really saying? Are you hearing their words? But not only listening to their words, but listening to what they're meaning. Now, what, what, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by listening to what they're meaning? Sometimes, how many of you have ever been in a conversation where someone says something and then they turn around and, and you depicted it a certain way, but then you turn around and, and, and you go, go to talk to them about it or maybe you post about it on Facebook, you know, and they come back and they say, that's not what I meant. Right. You've ever been there. Right. That, that's, that's not what I meant. And a lot of times that, that's with me and Jen. I, I hear every word she says. I hear it, I'm looking, I'm concentrating. But then I fail to consider it, okay? When she says, hey, can you leave? Go get a sandwich, what I hear is, leave, go get a sandwich, right? But what she's saying is, I'm hungry, and you're my knight in shining armor. Can you please go and retrieve something to eat for your golden girl? I love you, buttercup. <laughs> that's what she means. That's what, I, that's what I believe. How many know sometimes phrases, they just don't come out right? Don't jump to conclusions. Don't jump to conclusions. Once there was a dog named Fido who was always jumping to conclusions. One day he jumped to the conclusion of a mule. <laughs> that was the last day of Fido. Okay? That was horrible, I know. Never mind. <laughs> Try to listen, not only to the words, but to what they mean. And then listen to not only the words, but, but, but the, the feelings of what they're trying to say. How do they look? What are they feeling? What are the emotions that they're revealing with this communication. 
And so there's consideration, there's concentration, there's consideration, and thirdly, there's clarification. And how many know that if we were not human, we wouldn't need clarification? But we're human. And we need clarification. In any conversation, there is what we say, and there is what they think we said. Right? There's what they say, and there's what, what we thought they said. And so a lot of times we need clarification. I mean, no, there's a big gap in that sometimes. And so we have to clarify. Sometimes when Jenny and I are in a discussion, I will say, now, tell me what you think I said. Because by your facial expression, I did not say what you think I said. (laughs) Even if I said it, I'm not going to admit it right now. (laughs) Right? Tell me what you thought I said. And she says something, and I'll, I'll, she'll do the same thing. What, what do you think I said? And I'll say something completely different than what she meant. Or she'll say something completely different than what I meant. And the problem was, from my mouth or her mouth to my ear or her ear, okay, something happened. But what happened is academic. We need to clarify because we have the other person who really wants to be understood. Now, I confess before you that I'm a better talker than a listener. I really am. But we need to listen. Not only do we need to be quick to listen, we need to be slow to speak. Because how many know our mouths can get us into trouble? Let me give you some more Proverbs, and then we'll get back to James. Everybody still with me? Hanging in there? All right. Look at your neighbor, make sure they're awake. Proverbs 10, 19. says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and wise and keep your mouth shut. Thank you, the author of Proverbs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a good one. Hang that one on the refrigerator. <laughs> Proverbs 21, 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Yeah. What do you mean by that, God? <laughs> no. Pretty clear. Great stuff here. Yeah. Now, let me tell you about some mistakes we make with our speech and, and, and these roles that we play. And we assume that we are to play these roles sometimes. And really, these roles are what we call communication killers. And I just want to share these with you today. And and maybe you'll find yourself in some of these roles. Maybe you'll find your mate in some of these roles. Maybe you'll find a loved one that you're communicating with in some of these roles. But sometimes people play, first of all, sometimes they play the judge. The judge. For example, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is kind. But sometimes we want to play judge, jury, and executioner. And we use our words and we communicate with these words. These words, I'm, I'm going to give you a list of words. I want you to, to, to just listen. And do you ever say these? Because if you say these phrases, if you say these words, then we're, we're, we're killing who we're communicating with. Listen to this. You always. You never. Come on, somebody. Yeah. What we need to be saying is, you know what? This is the way I feel, or this is what I need, or it seems to me. Have you ever said, I told you so? You're just like your mother. You're just like your father. You just don't think. What's wrong with you? You're always in a bad mood. I can't do anything to please you. You're getting what you deserve. Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) Why don't you ever listen to me? Why can't you be more responsible? What were you thinking? You are impossible. I don't know why I put up with you. My mama was right. (laughs) 
Oh, I saw some quick heads on that one. Right? All you ever do is think about yourself. You are such a baby, immature. You deserve a dose of your own medicine. Do you always have to be right? Those are communication killers. That puts someone on the defense real quick. Real quick. Now, maybe you don't play the judge. Maybe you play the professor. What do you mean by the professor? Paul says, oh, it's going to get better. (laughs) Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not boast. The professor acts superior. The professor talks down to the other person in their conversation. Is always putting them down. That, that's just dumb. Do you have an ounce of brains in your head? Come on, somebody. Could you not tell that wasn't going to work? You wouldn't even understand if I told you. One man said to his wife, how can you be so dumb and so beautiful at the same time? And she responded, God made me beautiful so you would be attracted to me. He made me dumb so I'd be attracted to you. Oh, we're preaching good now. Now, maybe you don't play judge. Maybe you don't play professor. Maybe you play the psychologist. The psychologist is always figuring out why the other person does what they do. Ever hung around someone like this? They're analyzing the other individual at all times. Let me tell you why you said what you said. Let me tell you, explain to you why you did that. Do you know why I think you are the way you are? And we try to get into the person's heart and we try to analyze their motives. And the Bible is very clear about this. The Bible forbids this. Only God does that. Oh, come on. Don't be the psychologist with your wife or with your husband. Or maybe you don't play the psychologist. Maybe you play the historian. The Bible says love keeps no record or wrong. (laughs) Well, you're like, yep, that doesn't mean we don't keep score. (laughs) Right? Sometimes you'll be in the middle of a real discussion. And as a smokescreen... The other person you're talking with will leave that subject. Go to something that happened last month, 10 years ago, 25 years ago, and bring that back up. One man said, my wife does not get hysterical. He, she gets historical, right? <laughs> she goes back, she digs up all the things, and it becomes a rerun of old arguments. Listen, if you're a husband or wife and you do that, you get historical, you go back and bring something up from the past, uh, don't do that. Close the door on yesterday. Close the door on yesterday. There is so much bad stuff in yesterday. Don't go back and dig it up. Don't play the historian. Oh, this is good. Thank you. I will tell you uh, what what other people do. They may not play the historian. Some play the dictator. The Bible says love doesn't demand its own way. A person who wants to show force in their communication, they're a poor communicator. Have you ever heard a person say, I will not allow this, or I demand that you do this, or I demand that you do that. If you do that one more time, you're going to be sorry. Man, I can't tell you how many times my dad told me that. (laughs) Try that one more time. See what happens. Right? And you begin to demand or coerce. Someone has said the honeymoon is the period of time between I do and you'd better. (laughs) Right? So don't play the dictator. How else do we play the dictator? Well, by withholding money. Oh, now we're getting real. By withholding money. 
Some people have the idea, it's, it's my money. Me and our marriage, if I was like that, I, I make the bacon. I bring home the bacon. And Jenny be quick to remind me, yeah, but I'm the one that fries it up and puts it on your plate. <laughs> Listen, if I ever said that, I'm the one that brings home the money. When Jen's, Jen's been sick a couple of, uh, for a couple of days over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to tell you this, I wouldn't trade places with her for all the work she does at home in a million years. She runs crazy. It's not my money. It's not her money. It's ours. And so sometimes we use money as a dictator. Sometimes we use sex. Can we say that in the house of God? Okay. Is that right? All right. If you're 21 or under, plug your ears. Sometimes we, we use that. We withhold affection. And a person who's a dictator, they're just going to frustrate their spouse. And here's what a dictator is saying to their spouse, whether it's a man or a woman. I can do a better job with your life than you can. Oh, this is good. good. Don't play the dictator. And don't play the critic. Never compare your spouse with any other individual. Why can't you be more like Jimmy's wife? Why can't you be more like Mary's husband? Well, you're just like your mother, right? Don't play the critic. And, and, and finally, don't, don't play the preacher. Don't go home after this message and preach this message back to your spouse. Did you hear what he said? Were you listening? We can get the CD. Don't do that. Never, ever use the word of God as a club to beat your husband or wife. Ruth Graham said concerning her marriage to Billy Graham, she said, it's your job to love your husband. It's God's job to make him good. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and finally, be slow to anger. We're wrapping up here. I I read this in the Amplified Version, and this is the way it goes. Be slow to take offense and to get angry. How many know there's such a thing as righteous anger? He doesn't say don't get angry. He says be slow to anger. Now what's righteous anger? Well, when the Dallas Cowboys lost a couple weeks ago. (laughs) It's righteous anger. The Bible says Jesus was moved with anger. But he was angry for the right reasons. It was hard hearts of humans in the face of human hurt. He was angry for the right way. Your anger ought to make you part of the solution not a part of the problem. In fact, this is in your notes. Righteous anger should move us to righteous action. Righteous anger should move us to righteous action. An uncontrolled temper is a terrible thing. What does a bad temper show you? How many know some people, are, they're proud of their temper? It's like a, a notch on the belt. They're proud of it. But I'll tell you what the Bible says. Proverbs sixteen thirty two says, better to be a patient, better to be patient than powerful Better to have self-control than conquer a city. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Anger is a stone that's thrown into a hornet's nest. 
and the kind of anger that will destroy your testimony. Uh, this kind of anger will destroy your testimony before your kids, before your wife, before your husband, before your job, before your friends. Well, how are you going to ha- handle this anger? How do we deal with it? Well, James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So how do you handle this? Well, here's what we don't do. First two things we don't do. We don't avoid, okay? We don't avoid. We don't run away. Remember what we said in the introduction of this message. The marriage counselor, the psychologist, what they said. Well, that we need to learn how to deal with conflict, not, not avoid it. Has, has this ever happened in your home? You're, you're there and you're talking to your husband, talking to your wife. What's wrong? Especially, you know, if you're a husband talking to your wife, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. If she says nothing, you're in trouble. Because that means everything. Right? Come on. Man, you're leaving me hanging. I appreciate that. You, you go, honey, what, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm, what's that F word? Fine. I'm fine. Okay, I will back away, and then I will run, <laughs> right? And I'll call 911 so they're on their way already. Yeah. Sometimes people have the idea, okay, if I just back away and I just retreat, it will go away. It will go away, and it's not going to go away. We can kick it out the front door, but guess what? It's going to go right back around to the back of the house, go in the basement, come up through the window, and show up again. And then, so don't avoid it. And then, then not only don't avoid it, don't appease it. appease it. Appeasement is giving in, letting the other person always have his or her own way. Letting the other spouse run and dominate. And sometimes we appease. Jenny and I, we were talking about a vacation. I wanted to go to the mountains. Man, I love to ski. I love doing stuff like that. She's more of a beach person. She loves to go to the beach and just lay out in the sun and enjoy the beach. I, I like cold. She likes hot. We compromised. We went to the beach. Right? <laughs> That's appeasement. <laughs> One man said, I lie every year on my tax returns. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I always put head of household. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so when you appease, what you do is you internalize. And it's like oily rags. It's, it's going to smolder in a closet. And then one day someone's going to open that closet door and everything that's been smoldering is just going to burst into flames. And you might not even be the one who, who, who all these rags were, were throwing on. You might just open the door and all of a sudden, blah! And you're like, what in the world happened? Right? I just come to say hello. And you, you, you went all MMA on me. And, and so, this is just interesting. So, we've we got to learn how to attack the problem and not one another. Oh, that's good. That's great. There's no problems too big to solve. There's just a lot of times, well, we'll move on. Let me tell you how. So, how do you handle this thing? Well, there's three things. If you're having genuine conflict, number one, choose the right time to talk about it. And don't talk about it just before mealtime when your blood sugar's going down, okay? And I know this sounds crazy, 
But as you study this, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit serious in this because in, in our reading and preparing for this series, um, you, you find out, and this is, this is just weird. This is weird to me. But I started watching this over the last month at our house. You'll find out that over 80% of your arguments, according to psychologists and counselors, take place just before mealtime. Take place just before meal. And it usually involves that question, what do you want to eat tonight? Yeah. Right? But a lot of our arguments take place just before meal. Isn't it interesting? Over 80%. Or, secondarily, they come on your way to a social event. How many know that the enemy loves to attack on the way to church? Amen. Sunday mornings are like World War III in some homes. Okay? That's why Jenny loves me being a pastor, because I get up and I'm out of the house before her and the kids ever get up. We just put a stop to it. Yeah. How can I figure out how we won't have this conflict on Sunday mornings? Why don't you go into ministry? Fine, I'll do it. There's a little bit more to it than that. Make sure you have the right time. Then, Secondly, make sure you have the right tone. The Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. Someone said keep your words warm and soft because you might have to eat them later. The right time, the right tone, and then this is very important. Third, the right turf. The right time, the right tone, and the right turf. What do I mean by this? Don't ever, ever, ever correct your spouse in public. I feel the tension in this place. Don't do that. Don't correct your spouse in public. Why do we do that sometimes? Because we're afraid of what they're going to do to us in private, right? <laughs> Out in public, there are witnesses. So we wait until a lot of people are around, and so they can't really retaliate, or we get other people on our side. You know what this is? This is a cheap shot. This isn't just in marriage. This is in any relationship. It's a cheap shot. Now, here's some things that we can do, and I'm closing right now. Now, I promise, out of all three weeks, this is the longest one. This is the longest one. The other ones are a lot shorter. But the right time, the right tone, the right turf, and here's what you do. Number one, you learn to accommodate. Three things real quick. You accommodate your mate. If you don't have enough time together, learn what he or she wants to do. Learn what, what, what they enjoy. Learn what, what things they enjoy. So if she likes going to Hobby Lobby, like my wife, guess what I get to do every now and then? I get to take her to Hobby Lobby. Do I enjoy Hobby Lobby? No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I walk over to the basketball and football decorations, so at least I feel like a man. Right? She's like, oh, does this, this material, is this, will this work? I don't know. It feel, yeah, it's soft. Let's get it. Let's go. I want a steak. Right? I got to get my man card back. <laughs> Can we go? <laughs> and so, <laughs> but we... And guess what she does? Sometimes she goes fishing with me. She goes golfing with me. Does she enjoy doing that? I, I want to think yes, but probably not. But we learn to accommodate each other. Not only that, but acceptance. Accept the fact that there are things about your spouse or things about that relationship you're thinking about that are never going to change. Getting married is like buying an old-fashioned record. You buy it because you want what's on one side and you just accept what comes on the other. Don't, don't, don't try to, you know, a lot of people get married as a missions project. You know, hey, I can't wait to marry that guy. I'm going to change him for Jesus. 
Yeah, we'll talk to you in a year and see how that's working out. People are they're different. Never marry a person with the idea that you're going to change them. Jenny and I are so different, it's incredible. On, on certain charts, she's high and I'm low, and on this chart, I'm high and she's low, and you put the charts together, and it forms a perfect X, right? <laughs> but yet, honestly, we're, we're desperately in love. I love that lady. I love her. I'm in love with her. And she's in love with me. I remind her every day, you're in love with me, Right? <laughs> When we got married, the Cloud family and the Proc family, the Cloud family, my family, Proc family, her family, we're so different. My dad's an ag teacher. He's a farmer. He's a rancher. He's a welder. Does all those things. He had a tone that he used to use that my friends were deathly scared of my dad. My dad walk in, hey. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> right? Don't hurt me, Mr. Cloud. And he's like, I'm just saying, hey. My dad's one of those guys, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. That's my dad. <laughs> But in the Proc family, in my wife's family, they, everything was kind and sweet. And I, we, we, I used to, to, to just, I thought this was weird. They'd get up, we'd be in the, in the front room watching, watching a movie or watching TV or something, and, and someone in the family would get up to go use the restroom, and you'd have to tell everybody you love them before you went to go use the restroom. <laughs> what if something happens in there and I don't come back? I want all you guys to know I love you. I asked her if I could share this. She said, it's okay. <laughs> In that family, everything was huggy. Everything was, was, was love. And they're so close. And it caused me to shy away at first. But can I be honest? Now I love it. I love it. I, you know? Whoop, got to go. I love all you guys. <laughs> Whoop, right? I love the closeness of the, that my father-in-law has with his kids. And I admire that. I love the way he raised his kids. And so now when it comes to my family, man, I, I really admire that. And I really strive to do some things that he did. But, how you know, it took time. It took a, a, a accommodation on Jenny's part. Never once did she say, man, why can't you be more like my father? She never once said that. Practice accommodation. And finally, adjustment. You can both change. I like to stay up late. I'm a two, three, four o'clock in the morning guy. I, was, I didn't go to bed till 4.30 this morning. That's just how, how I roll. Jenny is a go-to-bed-early guy. Uh, girl, not a guy, girl. <laughs> Every morning for me that I have to wake up is a resurrection, right? Jenny gets up and gets a kid, la-la-la-la-la-la-la, and my kids know, stay away from dad, right? It's just that way. I've got to put my knees on the toothpaste in the bathroom just to squeeze it out because I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired, right? And Jenny is not that way at all. God made us different. And when she gets up in the morning, she's like, hey, Pookie, I'm annoyed. I'm like, go away. And then at night at 2.30 in the morning, when I come in, hey, Jen, can I talk to you about this? I'm asleep. Leave me alone, right? We, we've learned. We've learned to adjust. God made us different. We've had to adjust. And rather than having war in our house and both parties losing, we compromise. Every now and then, I'll go to bed. I'll go to bed at 10, 10.30 when she goes to bed. Then as soon as she's asleep, I get back up, right? <laughs> I got stuff to do. And then every now and then, she'll stay up late with me. And, you know, we'll, we'll do something together. We'll watch a movie or we'll just hang out and talk. Or she'll tell me what to preach. You know, any of that stuff. <laughs> and we, we, just, we just hang out. 
Learn to live together as heirs of grace of life. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is so deeply spiritual, but it's also so deeply practical in our life. Amen? So deeply spiritual. Because so, I know some people are walking out, man, that wasn't very spiritual today. No, it's super spiritual. Yes, it is. These three things. Yes, it is. If we can get that right, we can get every relationship we have right. right. That's the issue. Right and that's what we're addressing. Amen? Right. Stand your feet with me to, today. I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. And maybe you're here this morning. And, and again, I just want to say that this is the longest message of this whole series. Now, we, we want to be very respectful of your time. And I appreciate you extending just a few more moments to me this morning. But today you're here, and as we've talked about some of these things, maybe through those seven different characteristics, the, 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 the dictator, the psychologist, the the, the, the preacher, as we went through, through those things, the, the, the different people, the different roles we play, the judge. Maybe some of those roles really hit home and you're like, yeah, I can, I can see. I can see myself in that. The professor. I can see the historian. I can see myself. The critic. A great marriage isn't made overnight. A great marriage is made and great relationships are made. And both parties decide, you know what? From this point on, we're going to strive to do this the right way. With everything in us, we're going to strive to do this the right way. And we may fall and we may fail and we may travel back a time or two. But God, with your help, we're going to move forward. Because these are matters that matter in marriage. And whether you know it or not, your marriage matters. It matters to your kids. It matters to your grandkids. It matters to the people around you. It matters to those who are looking at you. It matters to your family. So we want to do everything we can to make sure that we are successful in our relationships. So this morning you're here and you're saying, yeah, there's things, that, Pastor, I see, things the Holy Spirit's illuminated in my life that I need to work on. And with God's help through this series, I'm going to do everything I can to be the man or be the woman that God wants me to be for my spouse and that relationship that I'm in. So if that's you and you recognize that, will you just slip your hand up right now? Yeah, 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 wow, yes, 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 yes. There's just changes, changes that you need to make, adjustments that need to be made. By raising your hand, you're just signifying, Lord, I'm starting this journey today. And with your help, I'm going to be everything that you made me to be. Anyone else want to get in on this prayer? Amen. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Father, we come before you this morning. Guys, we initiate this conversation within our church. We initiate this conversation uh, within our relationships. Father, I pray that you would take what's said, take what's being revealed, uh, not only today, but God, through the remainder of this week, what you, Holy Spirit, will speak into our heart and speak into our life. God, that you'll take this and God, that we will have wisdom and we'll have understanding on how to walk these things out. God, how to, to, to be that person that you've called us to be. God, how to relate well with others. God, how we can be slow to speak, but quick to listen, but also slow to become angry. And so Father, today I ask your blessing on every hand that was raised. Everyone that said, God, help me with your help. I want to take this journey. With your help, I want to make this relationship better. It may be a marriage relationship. It may be a relationship with mom and dad. It may be a relationship with a son or daughter. Maybe a relationship at work. Maybe some other relationship at home. But God, they're saying, with your help, I want to take these principles, God, and I want you to do a work in my life. Help me to be the man, the woman that you've made me to be. God, I want to reach my full potential. And I want my, this relationship to reach its full destiny. So God, take it. Take it. And God, use this moment for your glory. And God, we just thank you. And we ask your blessing on our time together. God, bless every relationship here. God, may, may they just walk out of here with the favor of God and understanding the love they have for one another because of the love they have for you. And so God, we ask all this today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.